Morning, everybody. Um, so, uh, just for the last few weeks, um, I've been kind of doing a study into the Lord's Prayer and um, just really trying to pray more with that model of what Jesus has taught us. And um, with that, it's, it's been good. Um, I've been learning a lot through it. Um, I, feel like, um, I feel like it's been um, helping me to grow more deeply and intimately with God as I pray to him. Um, and as, I was just, as I've been learning this in this season, um, I felt led to and prodded to also teach on this for all of us today. Uh, so today's going to be a little different. Um, we're still going to have service and everything, but it's going to be a little more interactive. Um, so what I want to ask everybody to do right now is we're all family here, but you know, within that, I know that we all have people that we trust and that we can go to and be accountable with and stuff. So um, I would just ask that um, you guys would all kind of find like those people that you want to be able to have those deep discussions and prayers with today. And um, if you need to, like, please feel free to get up and move around right now and just kind of like find your group because you're going to be um, with this group through the day. So, <laughs> um, and then if you are new here and you aren't, you don't really know too many people, um, I would just ask for any of the deacons and elders here, um, just uh, if you're new here, please, you know, raise your hand. The deacons and elders can also gather with you and, um, you know, lead you through prayer as well today. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, you guys can all kind of situate yourselves, you know, feel free to round up at a table or grab a row of chairs. Um, yeah, because we're going to be, throughout the sermon, we're going to be having time to talk and pray as a group and stuff. So, it can be as small as you want, as big as you want. And honestly, like, I do want to encourage fellowship here, but if today you're having one of those days where you just need some time of quiet and introspection, you know, I would, you know, encourage you to have that time with God just one-on-one -on -one as well. So, um, so as we get started, um, I just want to, I just want to start with some prayer. Um, I'm going to be honest, I, this week has been really hard. Um, there's been a lot of spiritual what just feels like uh, spiritual attacks, just the enemy just doing everything to try to discourage me, try to discourage Angela. Um, there's just been some developments recently that have just kind of brought a lot of disappointment and hardship. Um, and with that, it's been really, it's really been stressful for me. Um, and... Honestly, even today, I struggle to be up here because I feel so discouraged about it. Um, you know, in my anxieties that I've worried, tried to worry and control everything, in my stress, I've allowed a lot of anger in my life. Um, and with that, I've 
just allowed so much bitterness and anger to settle within me, and I've had to repent of that um, to God. And I just, I'm so thankful for his mercies being new every day that we can go to our Father and confess, you know, our struggles, our sins, and repent of them, and that he is merciful to forgive us and shows us grace each day because, you know, I've definitely needed that. Um, so let's pray before we begin, and, uh, and then we'll dig into this. Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to give you thanks for this day that you've given us. Thank you that we can gather. Thank you that you've provided this building for us to gather in. And in, in today's sermon, Lord, in this time of us learning from your word as you teach us, I pray that you would, your spirit would just move here today within us. Um, Lord, if there's any areas where we are struggling, where we are feeling weak, that you would strengthen us by your Holy Spirit. If there are areas that we are holding on to that we need to um, let go and trust you in, then give us the grace and the might to let go of those things and to trust you. And if there's areas where we are holding on to sin and um, not repenting, Lord, then just soften our hearts today and lead us to repentance today. Be glorified in this message. Be glorified in these conversations and the prayer today. And I just ask for these things to be done in your son's name. Amen. Um, so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, verses 7 through 13 today. And the first question I have for us as we dig into this is how do we pray? Because I think if you've grown up in the church or if you're maybe new to the faith, you know, maybe you're growing as a young believer and you're maturing, or maybe you've always just kind of been on the outside, but you've seen just kind of how people pray or how it's depicted in just mainstream media and television and stuff. And the question is, how do we pray? Because I think there's a lot of different attitudes towards it based on our own experience or what we perceive in others. You know, I think sometimes we treat God like he's Santa Claus. He's just supposed to give us all the things we want if we're good and we behave. And so we treat prayer as this type of wish list that we bring to God. Um, <laughs> even in, uh, when I, was, I um, went to Christian school growing up, and I also, you know, went to youth group, very much grew up in just kind of the Christian sphere. And even like as a kid, you know, just kind of hearing the prayer requests like from, you know, all the other kids in youth group or stuff. And like, you know, a lot of times we'd be praying, we'd be like, oh, well, um, I just pray that God would like heal my cat that's not feeling good or um, help me to score a touchdown tomorrow in my football game or help me to do well on my test. And we kind of just had these like prayers of like, just, you know, God, like just take away every hardship and just make everything good for us. You know, and like, and you know, as young kids and stuff, like we were still learning, you know, what prayer really is and stuff. But I think sometimes we take that with us where we kind of just treat God like he's just supposed to give us all these things if we just ask him. Um, and I don't, and that's, I don't believe that's fully what prayer is. You know, I think also sometimes on the other end of the spectrum of our attitudes, we treat God like this holy, righteous judge that we have to grovel at his feet asking for scraps. And so we kind of go to God and we're like, oh, almighty, heavenly Lord of all creation, we just come before you and bow down and we just 
ask that, like, if it's okay with you, like, would you just at least give us a morsel of goodness today? You know, we kind of treat it like that. Other times, I think if we've really just kind of gone through the motions, prayers become this verbal routine. It's just this mechanical process we go through, and it's lost all of its sincerity. You know, we have the, kind of these, in a sense, they're just kind of trite prayers where we say, like, before meals, God is great, God is good, let us thank him for this food. Or, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And we kind of have these things, and like, although maybe they were meant to teach us um, how to pray, they just kind of became mechanical in nature. You know, and also, when do we pray? Do we only pray at meals because that's just what we grew up with or that's just what we see people do in the church? Do we just pray before bedtime? You know, there's a lot of questions to the how and when of prayer. And so when we look to the Lord's Prayer that Jesus gave us as a model for our prayers, I believe that this will set our attitudes right towards our prayer Because honestly, our attitudes towards prayer determine the quality of our prayer life. And so in today's discussions, I want us to really be reflecting and digging into this of like, how do we pray and what is our attitude going into it? So the very first thing, before we even begin, I want to start by saying this. We have to be intentional when it comes to prayer. So when we look at the verses leading up to the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says in chapter 6, verses 7 through 8, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So when I was reading through this, I was looking at my study Bible for some notes on this, and what it said for these verses was that, Um, in those times, a lot of pagans would just repeat the names of their gods or they would repeat the same words over and over and over without thinking. And it just became this repetitive, mindless routine. And Jesus is telling us, don't pray like that. Don't just say, oh God, oh Lord, oh Father, like, you know, and then we just kind of keep repeating the same things over and over and over. He is telling us, that our prayers need to be intentional. They need to be sincere. They cannot be a mindless repetition of words, such as the God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food. We have to be intentional. And so Jesus addresses this right here and now in the verses leading up to the Lord's Prayer. And so he says in verse 9, Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So, with those verses, he's already setting the tone. He's already providing a model prayer for us. And it's kind of ironic and unfortunate at the same time that the Lord's Prayer has in itself for some people been memorized and repeated mechanically and mindlessly. So what I want to do is go through the Lord's Prayer verse by verse. Jesus says, Jesus doesn't say pray these words exactly. He says pray them like this. So we're going to look at the prayer today, each verse, and we're going to pray like it. And we're going to have questions to help us reflect on this. Because he is giving us instruction of how our prayers should be shaped. So let's look at that very first statement in verse 9. Our Father in heaven. 
We are not praying to some God who's far off in the distance who only really notices us when we just kind of call out his name. We are praying to our Father. He has adopted us as sons and daughters because his Son, Jesus Christ, has made the way possible to be reconciled to God. And now I understand, unfortunately for some, that we may have had an earthly father who has failed us. They have hurt us. But our Father in heaven, we need to remember, is perfect. He's sovereign. He is loving and merciful, and he is in control of all things. So this verse reminds us to pursue a warm, loving relationship with our Father who we can confidently go before the throne. And that kind of addresses one of the attitudes that I talked about in the leading up to this, is that we don't need to grovel when we pray. We are not going to God, some faraway distant God, and groveling at his feet. He is our Father. In Hebrews 4.16, it says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And this is what it's saying in Hebrews, is that Jesus acted as high priest to atone for our sins once and for all. Not with the blood of livestock like cows or goats or sheep or bulls, but with his own blood. And so according to Hebrews, this has secured an eternal redemption for us. Therefore, we can draw near to God with confidence. We do not need to grovel at his feet asking for scraps. We can go to him knowing that we are adopted into the family. We are sons and daughters. He is our father. But here's my question to you. And what I want to do is for all of you in your groups to take the next two to three minutes or so and talk about this question, number one. Do you view God as a loving father whom you can freely approach? If not, what might be blocking you from believing that? And so I just want to take this time right now for you all to discuss this. And as you discuss it, you know, feel free to pray about it as well. Because this first question, I think, is going to determine what the rest of our prayers will look like. Okay, everybody. Um, so I want to keep fostering these conversations today. Um, but just for the sake of time, since we have a few questions, I do want to keep moving forward. But um, I do encourage you, you know, write these questions down. Um, you know, take notes, whatever you need. Because I think this is, I think these questions are really going to open up a lot of um, truth to us about how we should pray and even might, you know, the Spirit will lift some blinders of different areas of our life where we might feel this type of roadblock. Uh, but as we move on, you know, and I, I heard some good conversations and I think what was really interesting the most is this idea of, you know, going back to what I said in Hebrews chapter 4, we can draw near to God with confidence Yet, I think for many of us, that always has felt like a struggle because there's this idea within our culture that, like, if we mess up, we can't go to God. Like, we've lost our chance, and now we have to, like, earn it back. Um, and yet, we don't need, like, in the Old Testament Israel covenant system, we don't need to sacrifice another animal and bring it to the priest to do that for us. You know, even in, like, the Catholic Church, we don't need to go before a priest and confess our sins— Jesus is our high priest, and he has made the way possible. And so if we, we need to believe that so that we can confidently go before the Father. 
And I think what's interesting, too, is that we sometimes view, like, God the Father as this authority figure, and it can feel intimidating. But that's why we must continue to study the Word of God so that we understand that access to God is not blocked when we are in Christ. And although God is, you know, almighty and he is judge, he is ruler of all, he also is a loving father. He is a caring father. And we see his mercy and grace for us. And so we need to believe those truths as we enter into prayer with him. And so we move on to the next section, now that that has been established, that we are going to our Father in prayer. Jesus says, hallowed be your name. So this right here, I believe, is what's really going to start setting apart the selfish, earthly mindset prayers versus the um, God-centered prayers. Because in this very first section, it is showing, when we say this, our desire is for God's name to be um, holy or treated with the highest of honor. And so by stating this in our prayers, we take the focus off of ourselves and we give honor to the one who, as Jesus said, already knows our needs before we ask him. And so if we're sincere in this statement, I do believe that we will model this, not just in our prayers, but in our words and our actions every day. Now, we may not be perfect at it. We will struggle, you know, as we stumble with pride or anger or other things. But we will continually put it into practice so that the world sees through our words and actions that God is treated with the highest of honor and we bring glory and honor and um, that we bring glory and honor to his name. And I think that's something that we have to look at. What is our lifestyle like? You know, I, growing up, once again, like in youth group, the Christian school, all that stuff, there was kind of just this moralistic set of rules that was just like, just follow these and you'll look like a good Christian to the world. And it kind of just, you know, was very, became very streamlined stuff. You know, there was always the like, very go-to of like, don't drink, don't smoke, don't swear, you know, things like that. But let's take that deeper, okay? Like, maybe we can avoid alcohol and drunkenness, and it looks good that we don't drink in front of other people, but are we binging on other things in our life? You know, are we abusing food and turning to gluttony? Are we binging on television and video games? You know, what about we say like, oh, don't swear because our words need to reflect um, goodness and stuff. Okay, so let's take that holistically. Do all of our words bring glory to God? Maybe we're really good at keeping everything G-rated, never swearing, or even saying like those weird quasi-swear words that we always try to make up to get away with like not saying a swear word. But do we slander and gossip about other people? family members, neighbors, co-workers, or politicians. Because those things we say also reflect our lifestyle. And so are we bringing glory to God in our words and actions? And I must confess that lately, my words have not been. Um, as I've told you before, there's been a lot of um, strife and stress over the last couple months of my life. And I've been dealing with a lot of things and trying to work through it. And God's been using these to mold me and shape me. And I would love to be able to stand up here and say that, like, I've handled everything with charisma and grace. But I haven't. 
Um, and I have truly regretted the words that have come out of my mouth, the way I have let anger control me, because it didn't bring glory to God. I found myself cursing at people and at situations out of my anger and just immediately regretting saying those things. Um, even, even last week, um, I'm helping coach a preteen softball league, and God have mercy on me and give me patience for that. But even in that, like, I just found myself at one practice where I was the only coach there, and the kids were fighting with each other. They were just being disrespectful. They weren't listening. And it got to a point where I just stopped practice and made them run laps, but I was just cursing and yelling and everything. And that wasn't godly. It didn't bring glory to God's name. It didn't treat him as holy. And I had to repent of that. Even last night, I found myself getting stressed out when I got home after a long day and just cursing about messes in the house and all this other stuff. And even last night, I had to repent again. And the big question here for me and for all of us is do we treat God as holy and treat him with the highest honor? Because if we call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ, if we call ourselves children of God, then our words and actions should also bring glory and honor to him. And I say these things to be transparent with you all um, because, like, I have received grace from God and mercy when I've turned and repented and I know that his spirit is working in me to transform me more into, like, Christ. And I know that that in and of itself does, um, does bring glory to him. And so we have the ability to repent of these things and go to him when we pray. And that in itself, turning to him, does bring glory to his name. But here's the question, though. Are we doing that? Are we aware of our words and actions? And when they don't honor God, are we repenting of that and confessing that to God? And so here is the next discussion question I want to ask of all of us. What are personal and intentional ways that we can treat God as holy or with honor in our lives? And what are some areas that might need to be surrendered to God in order to show him that highest honor? So we'll take another three to five minutes to discuss in your groups. Okay, so we're going to head into the next verse. So here's the thing. We've just now set a proper attitude on God, viewing him as father and viewing him as deserving of the highest honor. So as we continue through this prayer, Jesus then goes into verse 10, and he says, Your kingdom come, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so this is where we start to shift from the Santa Claus-themed prayer wish list of give me this, 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 give me this now, give me this now, to a kingdom-centered mindset. And that's going to start shaping our prayers as we continue through these verses. And so that is one of those things I also want to address back in the introduction of how do we pray I said sometimes we kind of just treat God like Santa Claus, that just he has to give us things because we're asking him. 
But we cannot go into prayer pursuing our own selfish desires. In Matthew 7, verses 31 through 33, sorry, Caleb, I don't have a slide for this, so you don't have to worry about it. (laughs) Um, Jesus says in those verses, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So, with that, if this is the instruction here, we must have our heart, soul, and mind set on God's kingdom. Because if our hearts are set on just our own little personal empire, where I go into prayer and I'm like, okay, what do I want for Dale's kingdom today? Then I'm just going in with this self-gratifying mindset. And then our prayer requests become very much just give me, give me, give me. And so we do things like we, we go to God in prayer and we're like, well, God, I really want this job promotion But in our hearts, we want that job promotion because we want the bigger house. We want more toys. We want more entertainment. Or sometimes we go to God with this attitude of like, Lord, please forgive me of this. But our heart and our mindset is that we're just asking for forgiveness to get out of the consequences. We're trying to escape the consequences of our actions without the godly discipline that trains us up to be like Jesus Christ. But rather... When we start by seeking God's kingdom first and we seek for the mission and the advancement of his kingdom, it's going to shape our prayers. So for instance, if we go in with a kingdom mindset versus our own personal kingdom mindset, then that job promotion we might be praying for it's going to be shaped differently in our requests because maybe that job promotion will lead to more opportunities to evangelize to more people. Maybe that home we really want that we've been asking God for, maybe he wants us to use it, the extra space, to host church gatherings or to witness to and disciple a person who needs a place to live. You know, maybe he's calling us to use that extra living space for adoption or foster care or to help someone off the streets. Or maybe when we go to God with for asking for forgiveness, when we go in with the God's kingdom mindset, rather than asking to escape the consequences of our sins, we own up and take responsibility, but we still ask for forgiveness, and our sins and mistakes then become moments of true repentance and godly training. And so we must be so careful to go into prayer saying, your kingdom come. Your kingdom be advanced here on this earth. Your will, your purposes be done. Just as you have ordained this all in heaven, let it be done here on earth for us to see. And that is going to really transform our requests. So the question now I have for us over the next few minutes is what are some specific areas of our life where our prayer requests reveal what we... that. Let me rephrase that. So what are some specific areas of our life where our prayer requests might reveal that we are living for the wrong kingdom? You know, if there are areas where we are praying and asking for things in order to build our own empire, what are those things? You know, we need to be honest about this because if we aren't willing to be honest about this, we hold it back, then it's going to impede us from being able to pursue God's kingdom. So when we pray, you know, and think about this and discuss in your groups, what are some areas where your prayers have been for your kingdom rather than God's kingdom?
Okay. I'm really glad to see that these conversations are going well, and I, um, I do want to encourage all of us, like, even afterwards, keep having this fellowship with your brothers and sisters um, because we need to build each other up, and I think our prayer life is so important for us to learn and grow in. And so we should continue to challenge each other and be open about our struggles. Um, and I really enjoyed this last question because I think it was so good to hear from everybody. You know, and I, I feel like one of the biggest struggles I'm hearing from myself personally and other people is just this idea of living in the American culture where it's just so easy to like get programmed to like want a certain kind of car that fits your lifestyle or a certain kind of house, whether it's in the suburbs or out in the country that fits your lifestyle. You know, and we want these things and sometimes we kind of shape our prayers to ask for these things. And yet like, are we praying for God's kingdom, you know, in that? Like, are we praying for like, what does God truly calling us to do? And then if we live out this mission, what do we need for like a home or a car, or even like an iPhone or whatever, you know? And yet, that's a struggle here in this culture that we wrestle with. But if we can start to pray with this mindset of your kingdom come, your will be done, then I believe we can start to pursue God's mission more effectively and not get weighed down by all the things that we're like, well, I want this, this, and this because like, this is what's trendy or this is what the culture's telling me to get. And so I think that starts to lead us now into the second half of the Lord's Prayer where we kind of turn from more of this very like, setting the tone of like getting into the mindset of pursuing God's kingdom and his holiness and his glory. And now we start to see in the second half these very personal requests that we bring to God. So in verse 11, Jesus then gives us the next request to pray as. And he says, give us this day our daily bread. And I think this verse specifically has been one of the most uh, probably one of the most important things I've been praying for lately um, because I need my daily bread, my energy. And we have daily needs. And so we need to be asking for our daily needs to be met. But we need to do it with our minds set on God's kingdom. And I think one of the hardest things is that we don't always think about what our needs are because in our culture, Food is abundant. It's ready to eat. But we are truly still dependent on our Father to provide the energy that comes from that food. You know, maybe we just take for granted the entire logistics and supply chain that delivers food from farms and manufacturing plants to our grocery stores or even just the produce that grows in our gardens or on our farms but we are still dependent on that entire routine to operate correctly so that we have food. And beyond just that, though, we are so dependent on God for our bodies to even be able to function properly to digest and break down those nutrients and nourish our body and our systems that need to function. So there's a lot that goes into this, and yet we don't always think about our need for food each day because it's not some kind of like agrarian culture where you have to like harvest it all and then like most majority of the day is spent just like prepping and cooking the food. We can just go to the grocery store or go to McDonald's or whatever we want. But we must still remember how dependent we are on God. And so we pray each day for 
that provision of food. But beyond just the resource of food, we also need time and energy to do the work of God's kingdom. You know, I've, there's a lot of different needs we have, but I've always kind of tried to boil it down to the three biggest resources we need in a day is food, time, and energy if we're going to do the work of God's kingdom. So if our mindset is simply on us and we just treat God like Santa Claus, it's easy to take these things for granted and we just start asking for our wish list to be fulfilled. But if our heart is set on God's kingdom, our focus shifts to the mission and work of God's kingdom. And so then we start asking for our daily needs, not our wants. And so the question becomes, what do we actually need? If God is going to provide the food, the time, and the energy that we need for today to live out the mission of the church and God's kingdom, then why do we still feel burnt out and stressed in this culture? Why do we still feel like we are constantly grinding away for another paycheck to cover the bills? And I think what happens is that we need to now ask the question of what are our wants versus what are our needs? Why are we burnt out? Are we pouring all of our energy and time resources into our desires and hobbies, but then we're finding ourselves deficient for the work that God has called us to do? Are we investing our time and energy into setting a new marathon record, setting a new PR in the gym on your bench press, or restoring some vintage car in your garage, or um, creating the perfect house that would be on the cover of whatever interior design magazine is out there, rather than using that time and energy to invest into our families or our neighborhoods? Are we spending our money excessively on large homes and large cars and all these toys that we don't need rather than pouring that into the provisions we need of like groceries or even the needs of the church and um, the needs of our community. And so the question I have for us now is, what is our need for today? Do you trust God to provide that need for today? And will you use the resources he gives you with discernment? And so I want to encourage everyone right here and now to ask him for those resources to be provided and to ask for wisdom and how to use it properly. So let's take another few minutes to discuss. Okay. <laughs> so once again, really good conversations. I really appreciate that we're doing something like this and talking about the sermon together as we go through it. Um, so I want to talk about the last two requests and I'm just going to go through these. There are questions for them. Um, due to the timing, I just want to make sure if people need to get going that I'll go through the next two verses. The questions will be on the board. Um, but if you want to stay and keep discussing, you're more than welcome to. If you need to get going, that's totally fine. But we'll also talk about this at Wednesday's meeting for Equip. So I just want to invite everyone um, to be there as well to finish this study on the Lord's Prayer. Um, but I will go through these next two verses. Once again, if you need to get going after that, you're fr feel free to. If you want to stay and discuss the last question, you can stay in your groups. Um, but just want to respect everyone's time here. So we then move on into verse 12 where Jesus says, Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So we need to remember something here. We are already reconciled to God. We can draw near with confidence. What this verse is not saying 
is that we need a daily need to ask God to be saved again because we're already saved and reconciled by Jesus Christ. He's already secured an eternal redemption for us. However, when we sin and disobey God, it is still an offense to him even as sons and daughters of God. And what it does is it strains or hinders our fellowship with God. Just like in relationships with our parents, our kids, our spouses, if we do something to disrespect them or disobey them, it strains our relationship. It doesn't annul the relationship where now it's like, well, Angela, you're no longer my wife because of what you said. But it strains the relationship. And so with God... When we sin and disobey him, it doesn't all of a sudden make us separate where now we have to get born again, again, and become a Christian again, but we need to go before him and we need to acknowledge that he is holy and worthy of the highest honor. He is our father. And so we want to reconcile those offenses against him. And so this is the point of the prayer where we confess our wrongs and we ask for God's forgiveness so that we may enjoy a restored fellowship with God. Just like when we apologize and ask for forgiveness to our spouses or our kids or our parents, we are seeking to restore that fellowship. And now on the other side of this verse, it says, or there's this implication that if God is merciful to forgive us, then we are also called to model this mercy to others and forgive their offenses. Because if God is merciful and just to forgive us, then we need to show that same mercy to other people. But if we withhold that forgiveness to others, you know, throughout the Bible it says, and even in these, the verses after the Lord's Prayer, it says, but if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And we need to take that to heart. Because if we want God to forgive us, but we can't forgive someone else, then there's some sort of roadblock in our hearts. And so one of the questions that we can discuss after the service or on Wednesday for the next one is, what offenses do we need to ask God for his forgiveness? Are we unwilling to forgive other people? If so, then we need to ask God for the strength to forgive. And finally, we head into verse 13 to end the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So I just want to make things clear here. God does not tempt us to sin. In James 1, 13 through 14, it says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. So here's the thing in life. We're going to face situations and trials that test us. And to paraphrase in James 1-2, we should consider those tests joyfully, knowing that that testing of our faith produces a stronger, steadfast faith. So, if God does not tempt us to do evil and does not tempt us to sin, but there are situations that he allows in our lives that build our faith, how do we deal with this? How do we do this? The solution here is that we do not isolate ourselves We must humbly go before God, trust him to lead us, and ask for the strength of his Holy Spirit within us to not sin. So here's an example. Maybe we struggle with anger towards people. But God doesn't call us to isolate from the world. He calls us to be in the world, living out his kingdom. 
So God is still going to call us to walk in godliness when we go to work, when we deal with family and neighbors. And so if we struggle with anger, we can then say, Lord, lead me into this, but lead me to not sin and deliver me from the evil of the enemy who wants to make me stumble. And by doing that, we are showing that we are relying on his strength, not our own, and we are asking him to deliver us through each step of our life. We don't say, God, take this all away or any of that because like, it's not this idea that, well, I struggle with anger, so I just can't go to work today. No, we go to God and we're like, Lord, I struggle with anger with my coworkers. Deliver me from this. Lead me not into temptation. You know, same thing with food. Maybe we struggle with gluttony or something like that, but we still need food for our bodies. And so we have to approach meals and um, times with people with meals and say, Lord, you know, be glorified in this. Lead me not into temptation where I binge on food, um, but deliver me from this and help me to honor you with it. Same with our words, our actions. If we struggle with pride, if we struggle with greed, you know, we still need money to pay the bills, we ask God for help. And so the final question, like I said, questions five and six, if you don't need to get going, you want to stay, you can discuss them here, but we'll also talk about them at Equip on Wednesday. The final question, what temptations are you currently wrestling with? Has God called you into that situation, such as, you know, like you still have to work, or do you need to remove yourself from that situation? Um, you know, for example, like if you struggle with greed, like has God called you to pursue all these toys? You know, maybe you need to strip those away and remove yourself from them. So pray and ask God to lead you through whatever trials he allows you to face. If he is calling you through something such as a situation at work, ask him to lead you through it without temptation and to deliver you through it. But if there's something he hasn't called you to do that you are allowing in your life, then ask him for the strength to remove it from your life. So with that, I'm going to close in prayer. Um, Everyone, like I said, you're free to continue discussing these questions. We'll keep them on the board. Um, We'll talk about them Wednesday to quit. If you need to get your kids home or go out somewhere for plans, I totally understand. But I want to encourage all of us, think through these questions today. Think through these notes. This is the model prayer that God, that Jesus Christ gave us to pray to God our Father. And if we can shift and transform our attitudes to this type of prayer, I do believe we're going to develop a much healthier and holistic and godly view of prayer in our lives. And it's going to make us stronger um, so I'm going to pray now uh, just to end the, my lesson. <laughs> so. Dear Father, I give you thanks um, just for your mercy that you have shown to me. Um, thank you that you are merciful and just and that even in my struggles, even in the areas where I have stumbled and I have not brought honor to your name, that you have forgiven me when I have repented. Lord, this is... Um, I'm just thankful for these, this word here, your word to us of how to pray, that we can pray starting with 
a mindset on you as our Heavenly Father, that we desire to bring honor to your name, that we desire for your kingdom to be advanced on this earth and for your will to be done on this earth, for your purposes and plans to be accomplished. But Lord, we still have needs. We have needs for um, money to pay the bills. We have needs for food to nourish our bodies. We have needs for the time and energy to do the things that you call us to do. Please provide those for us today. Lord, forgive us of any areas where we have stumbled and we have sinned and disobeyed you and we have caused strain in our relationships with you. Lord, bring us um, just to restoration with you. We thank you that your son has secured an eternal redemption for us and so we don't have to earn back our salvation. But Lord, even in this life, we still stumble and we still have offenses. Please forgive us of those offenses and give us the strength to forgive others of their offenses. And Lord, finally, lead us not into temptation, but lead us through life that with each trial we face that we would consider it joyfully knowing that it produces a stronger faith within us. But Lord, deliver us from the enemy's schemes that Satan will use to try to trap us, ensnare us, and get us bogged down. Deliver us through these seasons that we face and lead us in your way everlasting. We just give you thanks for all things. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.